Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. This is the Zookeeper podcast where we take you behind the scenes talking to professionals in the industry about their stories, words of wisdom and journey so far to get to where they are today, really showing you what it takes to be a zookeeper. All views throughout the podcast shared are of those speaking alone and in no way reflect the collections they work for. So please come along for the journey, enjoy the ride and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. My name's James Dennis, I'm your presenter, and today I'm very, very happy to introduce you, Alice. Now, welcome, Alice, to the show. Hi, James, and thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to be here. No, thank you, thank you. Now, if you want to introduce to all our lovely listeners exactly who you are, where you come from, and and who you represent. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, hi, guys, my name's Alice. I'm a zookeeper at two zoos in the UK. Uh, I'm also director of the Keeper Educational Exchange Programme, which you might have seen sort of floating around on Facebook or, or Instagram if you follow us on there. Uh, I do have a podcast as well entitled uh, Asshole Animals with Alice, uh, if you have heard of that. If you want to learn and laugh about some species in the animal kingdom that are known for being a bit of a jerk. But uh, those, are, those are my titles. Those are my accolades <laughs> as, of, uh, as of currently right now. Sounds great. And obviously, we will go deeper into exactly what Keep is. But I guess to start us off then, Alice, and going back a bit in time is talking about more you and, and your journey to get to this stage in your career where you're able to do these, these additional things to help out the wider community. Exactly how did you get there? Is there any any real milestones that you've, you've created for yourself? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been in the industry in one way or the other for about 10 years now. I started off how a lot of people start off as a, a little zoo host. Uh, what I was doing is, is giving talks and presentations about animals. I started at uh, Chessington World of Adventures in 2012, which seems so long ago, just uh, giving information, getting closer to the keepers, helping them out, you know, learning a bit more about animals. I was absolutely fascinated by what they did and knew that it was something that I wanted to get into. So, um, you know, did a couple of internships, uh, inclu- including one abroad at uh, Brookfield Zoo in Chicago, uh, learned how to be a zookeeper there. And, uh, and then came back to uh, to get my first keeping job at ZSL London Zoo in, in 2014, which was amazing. ZSL just had such a high standard of keeping and my, my time there was absolutely lovely. I learned so much uh, and everything like that. So between uh, ZSL uh, and where I am now, I've, gosh, I've done all sorts of things. I've managed a, a children's farm in London. Uh, lived in Costa Rica for a while, rehabbing slots and toucans out in the wild for sort of landing back in the UK to uh, to continue a zookeeping career. So now I work at a, a small wildlife park called Shepreth Wildlife Park in Cambridgeshire and also at ZSL Whipsnade Zoo, where um, I work with the the big cats at, at both of those uh, collections, which is which is incredible. That's quite a, quite a journey there, quite a journey. Now, I guess for a bit of advice to our listeners and advice almost to your younger self, is there anything that looking back you, you would give as a little gem to to get to the position you're in today? Definitely. I think um, a lot of my success I can probably put down to just being a smiley, happy, friendly person. I think it's really important in the zoo industry to to know your stuff about the animals and to do your research and to, and to love what you do and be keen and enthusiastic, as I'm sure a lot of keepers will tell you. I think also half of the battle, James, is actually just being a, a good team player you know of actually being able to work well in a team and being friendly I think these um I think employers are looking for somebody that will mesh well with a team and and uh, be able to help it grow rather than someone that's very knowledgeable and maybe a little bit more standoffish uh advice I'd give to my younger self 
would probably be to just relax a bit more. I think I was very keen, as most of us are, to prove myself in the industry and to, to know everything and to learn everything. And those things obviously come with time and, and, and patience and exposure to lots of people and collections and animals themselves. But really, I think the main thing is just to relax and have fun and you know, ask questions and be be happy. Exactly that. And obviously linking with that, would you then say that you've got one main main trait, one attribute, which has made you push on and succeed in your career? I think being able to ask questions and just being able to talk to people. I think, um, I think that's such a useful skill. I mean, uh, being able to talk to the public, for example, with, um, with public speaking when you're doing talks and things like that, especially if you're talking to kids, talking to adults but also being able to talk to others in the industry, particularly when you don't know something or, or want to learn. Communication is is really just the main part of, of zookeeping success. It's just being able to discuss ideas, being able to get across information, and also not being afraid to sort of forge your own path and, and uh and communicating your needs to, to make that happen. Exactly that. Now, as we both know, the, the industry is very hectic. It can be very crazy. And at times it can overwhelm to a certain degree. Now, obviously, it's, uh, I would argue, a, a good keeper's uh, concept to, to try and take on as much as they can, to try and help as much as they can. But throughout your experience, is there any, how have you handled being productive? How have you handled the, the problems that come with it, but turning it into a success? Have you got anything which is, is, is a helping technique throughout this process? Very tempting, I think, when you're getting into the industry for the first time to, as you rightly said, to just want to get involved with everything and, and help everyone and learn as much as you can. And I think if people have the energy for that, then, you know, I think absolutely go ahead. You know, I think people work at different paces. And I definitely was one of those keepers that always had big dreams and was always looking for the next big project to sink my teeth into. But I think uh, it's important to uh, to prioritize what you want to do in terms of your own personal goals and rather than just saying yes to to help people out. And I think it's important to, I don't know, take a step back and, and, and breathe and, and relax, as I said, uh, a little bit as well and, and, uh, and realize that, um, you know, it's not a race. The, the keeping industry it's a, it's a it is a bit of a marathon as you know I'm sure you know as well and so to pace yourself and to um to not take on too much on your plate as much as you love the work as much as you're caring about the animals uh, it's important to pace yourself and you know enjoy life there's more there's there is more to life than this you know than our career even though we're passionate about it and to uh to not take on too much basically yeah no great great answer Alice now obviously talking about the, the main topic of this podcast and, and this episode in particular and that is keep what is it what, what are we talking about <laughs> what the heck is keep yeah i mean uh so keeps uh keep stands for the keeper educational exchange program uh basically we are a small team of zookeepers from across the uk that have built this platform together for collections to offer what we call placements and that's where keepers from other collections can come and spend a few days with them spend a few days with their team, with their animals, see how they care for things in order to bring back, you know, new ideas and inspiration to their own collection. Um, we're very big on um, CPD, continuing professional development. We thought that this was a really good idea uh, that we wanted to sort of make official because I think a lot of zoos actually have been doing their own sort of versions of keeper exchanges or at least, you know, keeper placements for many years now, but um, there's been no official capacity for it. So I think those people who are relatively new in the industry or perhaps work at a small collection that's, you know, not not as big and not hasn't got as much resources would benefit from a platform to be able to apply alongside some of the other keepers at larger, more recognized zoos. 
so yeah, there's just the three of us. Um, we are a small little team. We've we've built a website. I've been talking to all sorts of collections in the UK, um, you know, that are Biaza or Iaza accred- accredited. And um, we want to basically be able to involve everybody and, as I said, communicating with each other and just exchanging ideas and getting inspiration. And that's the sort of main goal of Keep. Um, is to unite everyone a bit closer in the zoo industry. Really, could agree more. It's much needed in the industry, and I, I guess can you remember that first that first little brainwave? Can you remember that first step towards the developing process of this? Yeah, absolutely. I do remember. Uh, it's actually um, my keep colleague James. I'm sure he won't mind me telling this story. Uh, James and I met on the Dimza at Sparschalt, um, as I'm sure lots of people meet other people. And uh, he came to Shepherd to visit me one day uh, with his partner. And um, we actually just sort of got talking about um, about learning opportunities between different collections. I can't remember how exactly we got onto the topic. Throughout this sort of discussion, we were like, you know, there should really be something, you know, like a, a platform where people can, can learn uh, from other collections and, you know, go and spend a few time because that is so valuable, you know. And, and we were having this sort of uh, debate and then I sort of went home and I was like, well, well, why not? Like, why don't I just ask about it? It sort of went from there. I started reaching out to um, to many people in the industry, to Abwak, to Biaza, to ask for their opinion, if this had been done before, if this was something that was in the works already. And when I found out that there was a bit of a gap in the market, you know, and that, that no one was coming forward to say, yeah, there's actually uh, somebody doing this already. I thought, well, why not me? You know, like, why, why not? And that was in, gosh, that was in, I think, October 2020. So that was a few years ago now. And slowly but surely, we've been building on this idea, uh, sort of getting traction from it and um, and have just launched it in January this year officially, which has been just such such an amazing thing. I can't tell you, such an amazing thing to see when people are reacting positively to an idea that you really think is is truly important for the industry. So that was a really lovely milestone in my career to actually see this this baby bird sort of leave the nest a little bit and to have people respond how you want them to respond to it. From the outside, it's definitely getting received well. So I, I hope hope only the best for this. Now, obviously, to really break down Keep then and, and to really allow our listeners to understand it and understand its, I guess, its aim, its direction, how will, how do you predict it to help the industry? First and foremost, just giving giving zookeepers the opportunity to see things from a different perspective, which I'm really all about. I think um, we... I think there are a lot of keepers in the industry that are are happy in their in their zoo and have only worked at their zoo, let's say. And whilst I think that's incredible to to build and to grow somewhere that you're comfortable and that you you have a great team and you love the animals there, I equally think it's really important to be able to see how other places do things. And you know, this is why we go to things like conferences. It's why we join Facebook forums such as Zookeepers Europe and all of the uh, the tag forums online. It's it's the discussion and exchange of ideas. I think we're we're sort of powerless without it. You know, without the ability to discuss and and improve and and want to learn and grow. So first and foremost, I think it will be doing that for keepers is hopefully giving them a, a bit of a fresh outlook and a, and a fresh perspective on keeping and their collection as well. But secondly, what we want it to do as well is foster this sense of of transparency within the industry of, you know, having hosting collections welcome in other keepers to bridge the gap and to sort of discuss ideas. So we're hoping from from a keeper's perspective of of bringing in new ideas, but also from a hosting collection as well. And uh, and hopefully some ideas can be exchanged and and hosting collections can be happy welcoming somebody in and and to learn from them, you know. Couldn't agree more. And I guess leading from that then, so what what apart from as I say getting getting that new experience is there anything more 
I guess that a keeper is going to gain from this than simply the experience. And there, uh, I mean, having done a similar thing myself, I am fully aware there is more, but it, is there more? I remember actually I did a, um, in back in, goodness me, back in 2013, so 10 years ago, a keeper sort of placement experience for the day at San Diego Zoo. I was doing a placement, uh, an internship at, uh, at the time, working with two cams out there. I bumped into somebody who used to be a keeper who set something up for me. And it was the most incredible day of my life. Like it, it really was in, in terms of zookeeping, I should probably say. But um, to be able to go to somewhere as iconic as San Diego Zoo, I worked with their, with their birds department for, for the day. And it was just, it was magical, just absolutely magical to go around and see this collection that I admire uh, and how they do things. And I'm really hoping that that Keep can sort of um, bring that sort of energy to Keepers as well. Sounds sounds great. And I guess that leads on to that, that final question before we go into the, the depths of what's coming. And that is, in your opinion, it, I guess the, the values, the ethos behind Keep, it, what, what would you say that you're bringing to the industry? What are you looking to stand for as, a, as an entity? Communication and transparency, uh, you know, at this point in time, I think I'm a little bit over the idea that um, that keepers should be guarding information, you know, that should be, oh, we've, we found actually a great way to, to feed this animal. We're going to keep that information to ourselves. I think it's so important to, that zoos need to be lifting each other up. I'm really hoping that the that keep and some ideas that we've got in the future will be able to sort of help that that nurture that idea that we really need to be looking after each other as well as the animals in the wild and you know we're only as strong as our weakest link I think and um you know there is an emphasis on on helping the public understand and, and helping animals out in the wild but there really should be something for zoos to be helping other zoos so that's really kind of what I hope that uh, that keep will will start a chain reaction of in the industry going forward yeah for sure for sure now I guess uh, where we're going now Alice is is big questions the, the first one is it's nice and easy one where do you feel like keep currently is hitting all levels of the industry and what I mean by that is is everyone from you know your your head keepers and so on all the way down to your very very first I guess student slash keeper and if not what is to come? I'll start by saying that Keep As It Is is an organisation that really is trying to tailor itself to experienced keepers in the industry. So the requirements for signing up to the programme is that you have to be A, over the age of 18, which I'm sure most keepers are, but B, you have to have been uh, employed in the industry for at least a year at a zoo. And um, because, you know, we feel in that in that formulative um, first year you're still learning so much about how a zoo works and uh, and all the sort of rules regulations and how to take care of animals so that really should be people's main focus rather than looking to to other zoos to sort of uh, supplement their learning so um, as of right now um, with the people that have applied so far I'd say a lot of the keepers are uh, are still in the early days of their career within within one to five years of their career and I think that's important to, um, you know, to, to bring in people that are fairly new, but do know the sort of the gist of going what's going on in zookeeping. But what I absolutely love to see is people who have been in the industry for, for much longer, who I think really could benefit, particularly if they've only been at one collection, their entire zookeeping career could really, really benefit from a perspective change for a few days. And I'm really hoping that uh, that collections will be able to fund their keepers. I know it's different depending on uh, the resources of, of that collection, but really hoping that they can provide the, the chance for 
more experienced senior keepers, even team leaders to be going and learning from other collections for a few days. And um, hopefully we'll be coming out at some point down the line with um, with more advanced placements. Right now, as I said, the, the the placements that we have available, which we've, you know, we've spoken to collections about, about what they want to offer uh, is, is, you know, tailored for people who have been in the industry for a year longer. But it'd be lovely to sort of have some things that are specifically for senior keepers or team leaders to really, really get that range of, of uh, information flowing. Yeah, it's great to hear. And as uh, I can't agree more, knowledge is key and it's best to be shared. So that's a, a very exciting time to come for keeping sure. Now, moving on to that next question, and this is something which is a bit left field uh, for yourself, but we'll see if it, if it even comes near you. And that is, does the, the up and coming change with the zoo license with obviously uh, a lot of things are getting looked at with the way that a zoo runs, whether that be in conservation, whether that be within education or simply the way we present our animals. Is that changing your approach at all? Is that approach changing the way that you're having to allow yourselves to progress? That's a, that's a really great question, actually. Um, I don't think, I mean, we are hoping that more regulations would come in place in favour of increasing the focus on keeper CPD. And I think that's um, that's a change that's happening, I think, more in the Secretary of State's standards uh, rather than zoo licensing specifically. But, you know, we'd love for it there to be more of a, yeah, more of a focus on on nurturing keepers and, and their development and their education. So uh, because keep absolutely taps into that, you know, I'd love it for it to be a requirement for all keepers that they need to be doing this much every year to really sort of better themselves and, uh, you know, it comes back and benefits the animals and benefits the collection as well. So I'm really hoping that will sort of make more that that will be more of a um a presence in, in zoo licensing going forward. But you know, we'll we'll adapt to whatever comes our way. I think, but I think that's the main thing. I, I can't see how um much legislation at this point would impact us negatively. I hope. <laughs> Sounds very promising. Now, I guess this is one for anyone listening who obviously the obvious choices for animals to work with mammals serve a large part of our zoos and they are, you know, it, naturally our paying members of the guests, our public, they naturally are drawn to anything cute, fluffy or iconic, whether that be a, an elephant to a rhino to a red panda and so on. From Keep's point of view, is it approachable? Is it worth all taxonomic groups getting involved? Is it something which is aimed at all taxonomic groups? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, right now, if you if you go on to our, um, and I'm sure this will change by the time this podcast is released. Uh, right now, if you go on to the Keeper Exchange website, you'll notice that the, the placements there are very mammal heavy. And, you know, you're absolutely right. I think um, I, I would go as far as to say that the majority of keepers in their time work mostly with mammals uh, some people obviously it's a mix but we are really really working hard I'm I'm personally very passionate about this um you know starting my my zookeeping career with birds um so I'm very passionate about tailoring to all interests uh, within the zookeeping community so uh, birds reptiles uh invertebrates aquarium anything like that farm like we are we are really working behind the scenes to get a variety of placements so that everybody feels included in the conversation so we're, we're in discussions with um with lots of of collections that are that focus on on these specific things so so if you're looking at the placements, wondering when something will come up that you want to do, just do bear with us. We um we are we are trying. We do we do appreciate it. it's very mammal heavy at the moment. Ah, that's great. And and obviously anyone listening who who is interested, I guess two way thing, interested to to help you guys out and maybe have a suggestion for you for a hosting potential, but also the flip side and and someone who's 
eager to work you know with a, a taxonomic group is that something which you, you offer in terms of a contact point um so i mean if people do want to get a hold of us from you know they can either reach us on facebook on on the keeper exchange program keeper educational exchange program on facebook or our email address is info at keeperexchange.org. and we do have people messaging us um and you know bizarrely we I say bizarrely a lot of people from abroad contact us you know from different parts of the world that are saying how can i get involved in this alternatively i want to set this up in my own country how have you gone about this um but we get all sorts of questions and we are really just so we're all such a friendly goofy bunch um so we really do enjoy helping people where we can and answering questions uh, so if anybody does have any queries or, or wants to know how to help they can uh, they can contact us at info at keeperexchange.org um you know and also on the facebook page as well or you can find me on facebook my name is, on facebook is alice reb you can find me there yeah no cracking cracking now i've left this one till last there will be a running theme because this question is popping up quite a bit the, the rough gist of it is in the usa in america they've run a, a rough demographic survey on their keepers ages now the the rough checkout age seems to be around the early 30s and that is reflected in the uk to a certain degree in certain surveys as well so there seems to be a, a loss of of both age, but also what comes with that a bit of experience in that mid range. I guess the question with that, rather than just chucking that at you, is how how does how does keep in its own right possibly help out with this in terms of trying to create that a solution to a certain degree? Let's see. Well, I think I think you're definitely right. I mean, thirties. You know, you reach thirty and uh, you think you start assessing your life choices. Really, of you know. Oh, can I afford to get a house or, or get married or have kids? And that is a really important junction, I think, that most zookeepers come to, uh, especially it doesn't it isn't helped by the cost of living crisis, both in America, let's say, and in the UK as well. Um, so how Keep is trying to combat that? Well, we actually, I'll, give, I'll use a specific placement as an example. Um, for our, we have a, a placement that uh, very kindly Jersey Zoo uh, Graham over there has has uh, set up with us uh, where two keepers can come and learn on two amazing departments at Jersey Zoo. And uh, we realized that lots of people would be interested in in spending a few days getting to know the animals at such an iconic, iconic collection. But logistically, it's uh, it's not feasible in terms of time off or in terms of finances. So how we've um, tried to combat that is offering a, a bit of a stipend to uh, to help support people in that time. So for the for the jersey placement, for example, we offered uh, forty pounds each towards each of the successful applicants for that placement, so that it, they can put it towards travel or accommodation or food on the day. Because and that really is our uh, our goal going forward is that we want to be able to be supporting fully keepers down the line to be going elsewhere in the UK hopefully elsewhere in the world to to learn a bit more and to teach a bit more as well. So that is really the goal of Keep uh, further down the line is to be able to afford to fund people ourselves, which I think would be a really lovely way to to try and keep people in the in the industry a little bit longer. As people are leaving the industry, they're taking their skills with them, sadly. And I think um, I think partly why you wanted to set up this program is so that we don't lose those skills let's say uh, bird hand rearing skills or uh, you know specific technical reptile or invertebrate skills that if more and more bird keepers and reptile keepers leave the industry because of uh, finances because of anything like that that you know at the very least we've given the opportunity for other people to learn so that these skills aren't, aren't lost when they go so that's how we're, we're aiming to tackle it at the moment but 
it is difficult for us as well you know it's um we we actually fund the the stipends and everything from our own personal uh pockets really uh, we we care we really do care that much about people's learning and getting everybody to where they want to be in their career with with learning in their cpd that we we sort of will take a bit of a bullet and be like okay we'll we'll fund this from the the personal keep bank to, to, to sort of fund it so yeah that that's how i'd say keep is, is managing it for the moment but it's it's difficult to know with the cost of living crisis, isn't it? About where it's where it's going to go and how bad it's going to get. I think you hit the nail on the head. With anyone listening and looking for a, a bit of a a pick me up, I guess is that there are keepers fighting, fighting for keepers. Uh, you you being one of them with keep and remembering that it is a community. Everyone is in the same boat and and everyone is pushing for the same thing, and that's the the best for their animals, but also for for each other. Yeah, that's it. I think there um and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later on as well. There is um a shift I felt in in how important it's I think particularly after Covid, how important mental health is. And you know, staying in something or leaving something that is not is not harmful to you or you know it's not it's not serving you. And I think more and more keepers, despite loving the industry, loving the animals, you know, hating the paychecks, but, you know, are leaving because of maybe toxic workplace environments or or simply not being able to afford things that their uh, their non-zookeeping friends are all able to afford in their 30s, you know, which I think is a problem myself when I, you know, find that I'm scrimping saving to to save up for a holiday. And, you know, my friends who are earning 30,000 pounds a year plus are easily like oh you know let's go out for takeout and I'm like oh <laughs> having to look at the budget you know as I'm sure we've all been there with that it's um it's a, it's a tough time to be a keeper so um we're really hoping that keep can can support people in their journey on the way nice way to end that question you've survived those big questions I, I guess before we go on to this this final segment of this podcast for anyone listening for anyone who's as I say a keeper who's looking to learn, who's looking to network, who's who's just looking to be more than they are currently. From a keep point of view, from an Alice point of view, what would you say to them? I'd say think about truly what makes you happy in this industry, what interests you most, and then go for it. Just run at it. Find out what else you can do in, in this industry, you know, not so much to help the industry itself, but to help your better, your better self and, and how you view your place in this planet and in this industry as well so really to take some time to look inwards and and see see what the important things are to you and then embrace it and run at it i'd say couldn't put it bare myself and i think you're, you're being modest i think keep is definitely one of those that help them along their way also absolutely we will be there we'll be there as support if people need it very much so. Now we move on. I've called it the quick fire rounds. Um, okay, so number one is your favourite animal. So easy. It's uh, the red-billed toucan. It's Ramphastos toucanos. They, toucans have been my favourite since day one, you know, of, of getting my job at, at Chessington. So it's uh, I've got a tattoo. I'm always wearing some sort of toucan paraphernalia, necklace, bracelet, whatever it is. Uh, I'm obsessed and I work with big cats at the moment and have done for the last four years, but those will be my number one until the day I die. Cracking answer. Now, number two, best side of the industry. Ooh, best side of the industry. I think the the bonds that we build with the, well, first of all, the incredible animals that we work with, but also with our colleagues and with the public, I think, and the zoo industry in general. And, and I think feeling like we are part of something bigger. And I know a lot of zookeeper friends of mine 
do have a bit of envy when I talk about how much I love my job and, you know, go to work every morning happy and to be part of something that's impacting animals and wildlife globally. And so I think the bonds that we build are the best part of the industry, both with the animals, the people and with with wildlife itself. Yeah, yeah, I feel like there's going to be a, a bit of consistency throughout these podcasts with that answer. It's uh, the community is very, very strong at all levels. Okay, so number three, you, you touched on it earlier, actually, uh, and that is your top tip for, for mental health and well-being, whether that be in the industry, but in general, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, top tip for mental health. Um, if well, if you can afford it, I think therapy. I think Therapy is such a useful tool in deciphering how you feel, our complex emotions about how we feel about a lot of instances, I think, in the zookeeping industry, which cause us what we call moral injury, you know, and and how we feel about the way that we're taking care of animals, the way that animals are being treated in the wild, you know, even dealing with, you know, uh, awful colleagues or, you know, less than great bosses, I think. Therapy, really, I cannot recommend something like that enough. If you can afford it, if you can find the right person for you, something like that. Outside of therapy, I think something like as simple as yoga, actually, for uh, for stretching sore zookeeper muscles, particularly if you're doing something like uh, if you're a large hoofstock keeper, maybe you're uh, pushing around giant bits of poo all day. I think something as simple as sitting down for 15, 20 minutes and stretching and making sure that your muscles are, are in a good way to to tackle the next day and also to tackle the rest of your life uh, other than your job. For sure. Now, is there anything in the industry, it's very broad, but is there anything in the industry you would improve? Oh, wow. How long do you have? Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, it's a great industry for, to work with, but you know, even great industries have their, um, have their flaws, uh, have little sort of areas of, of gaps in their knowledge. I think one thing that the zoo industry could be better with is their transparency when it comes to mistakes. When you talk to any keeper that works there that in the past or even in the present, zoos are making mistakes and that's not anything to really be ashamed of if you're, you know, if you're learning from it and you're, and you're moving on and you're making the right changes. But to, to deny that we, we make mistakes as an industry, I think is a disservice to the industry and a disservice to the animals that uh, we look after because we are trying and we are learning more every day and we are adapting our our practices and our policies to reflect that. So I think being a bit more uh, able to put your hands up and say, look, we messed up with this. We're going, going forward. We're trying to implement more of this. If anybody has any ideas, you know, let us know. That, and I think actually um, treatment, treatment of um, animal keeping staff in general, I think, while um, I think it could be better, particularly with with mental health support and uh, and things like that. So I think two two big things, but they they are important, I think, is being able to reflect and look inwards to see where, you know, and say that it's OK to make a mistake. You know, we all we all do it. Um, and also just having more support uh, of their of their colleagues, of the, of the keepers that are working and breaking their bodies day in day out come rain come shine come snow to do to do best for those animals and and not not taking advantage uh of them yeah totally now this is quite a light one this one is what zoo globally would you like to visit and why Ooh, i think um i think singapore zoo would be a really more so just out of interest with um uh with how they keep things there uh that's been on my list for a while um i think 
other than Singapore Zoo, I mean, I'm just interested in going to every country and just seeing how they do things there. So, I mean, I'm sure like many keepers when they go abroad, you know, you're looking around at local zoos and what has the best reviews or, you know, what has the best enclosures that you can see online or animal species that you're after. I think um, I think I'm the same as a lot of keepers. I just love to explore whenever I'm out somewhere unique and, and away from the UK. So for sure. And then then the dilemma comes. What one? There's four of them over there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Jeroyster. <laughs> now, the next one is is you're gonna have to put on your mystical hat to see into the future for this one. But in, in 20 to 30 years, do you still see zoos as being the same as it is today? This is a difficult one. I don't think the same as they are today, but it's difficult, right, to to say for sure or with any sort of degree of certainty of what they'll look like. I don't know if um, I don't know if in the in the nineties or in the um, in, in the early two thousands that people could have predicted how how zoos were going and uh, and what they look like nowadays. But I think the sad thing about our future now in in 2023 is that it is so uncertain you know we've got so much tackling the planet in the world today with with things like rampant poverty corruption destruction of habitats you know all of these things it's it's difficult to say where zoos will fit into that equation in that time you know you're hoping that there was there's more of a focus towards conservation that you know, some suddenly everyone's going to wake up and think, oh, crap, we actually need to be working hard to, to save the planet here. And that more money and more research and more time goes into uh, goes into protecting what we already have and preserving what we have left. That's good. Now, we lead on to this is quite a uh, it could be a deep question, could be a nice question. But who in the industry is your idol? If I'm thinking off the top of my head. And it's going to be cheesy. And I'm sure if she listens to this, she'll she'll roll her eyes a little bit. But I'd have to say it's actually one of my colleagues. Uh, her name's Eve Morin. Uh, she's an incredible keeper, you know, ridiculously smart. Uh, she's handy. She's creative. And she just is who I've gone to over the last four years when I have any question about anything. Um, so she is a mentor, a colleague, a friend. Uh, and I'd say probably her more than more than anybody else because it's somebody that I can I can bounce ideas off of and and she's got such a, a range of experience over different continents of, of keeping animals in different countries. So I'd I'd say Eve. So sorry if you're listening, Eve. I'm going to put you on. Yeah, I'm going to embarrass you by uh, by calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be searching on Facebook so much after this. Um, now we're on that final question. This is probably going to be arguably the easiest slash hardest question of the whole podcast and that is because i'm going to ask you to summarize the whole industry in just three words oh wow okay let's see uh i'd say filthy in terms of dirt obviously um fun i'd say filthy fun and fulfilling there we go three three f's there you go some alliteration yeah yeah I think those things encapsulate the zookeeping experience. You know, if you haven't gone home, smelling of animals, smelling of poo, you know, what have you been doing with your life? Unless maybe you're an aquarist and you work with fish, in which case you have an exception. But uh, but I think filthy, fun and fulfilling would be my answer. A great way to, to end the segment. Now, before we do go, Alice, I'm going to give you one last chance. One last time, tell everyone about Keep and why they should be signing up. Sure. So you can find Keep on Facebook, as I said, the Keeper Educational Exchange Program. 
Uh, and that's where we post a lot of our uh, new placements when we have them from different collections. So do keep an eye out there. We do post to things like Zookeepers Europe and lots of other uh, sort of taxa forum. Um, but if you are interested, if you've been debating about getting involved, as I said, just just think about what you like and run straight at it. And if you want to learn and if you want to progress and and see how other places do things, then then apply. You know, if you've been in the industry for a while and and can use a bit of a shake up, apply. We we are so happy to have you. We are we are as supportive as we could be. Uh, the way you can find our website is www.keeperexchange.org and signing up is super, super easy. It's free of charge. There is really no reason not to get involved if you love CPD and if you love learning and meeting new people as well. So I encourage anybody that's been considering it to give it a go. I'm biased, though. I think it's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great idea and I think you're doing some some great work at your end. So, yeah, big well done to yourselves and, and keep pushing on. But that does lead us to the end of the episode. Hopefully, um, I'm sure my listeners, myself, we thoroughly enjoyed having you on, Alice. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. No problem at all. Thank you so much for having me. This is an incredible opportunity and I'm really excited to listen into the other episodes and, and see what other people have to say. I'm so excited. Definitely, me too. No, thank you very much and we'll hopefully get you on again very, very soon. Thanks, James. Bye. And that concludes this week's episode. What an amazing guest and an amazing time we had. Now, if you have enjoyed it, please do subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, or our podcast channels to Zookeeping 101. I can't express how thankful I am personally from a fellow zookeeper to have you along for this quite amazing journey learning about everything zookeeper. Otherwise, please subscribe. Thank you for listening and see you very, very soon. Bye.